drive, gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top, bang, bang. This the This time I'm sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. You I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Courtsahe, Courtsahe.com, and we are back with another podcast episode. As you guys can tell, this is Saturday morning, not Friday morning. I don't know what happened, but things did not go my way yesterday to where I was able to pump out a podcast episode. But you know what? That's fine as there's more things to talk about today than there was yesterday. And you guys may be saying to yourself, how? Like, how in the world? Like, why and how could I even happen that there would be even more things to talk about today than there was yesterday? But... That just comes in the breaking news. Remember, still carrying all of our series. Or look at each division. The toughest division in the entire NBA. On Thursday, we covered the uh, Pacific Division. Now, today, we're going to be covering the Southwest Division. And we have so many teams to go through. So many breakdowns to go through. That will pretty much... Blow your mind where I believe I'm going to put them. And where some teams will fall, where some teams will rise. And some teams, they'll just stay. Then we have big news surrounding Eric, um, Eric Gordon, uh, Kendrick Perkins, and John Bede, uh, Team USA, Cavaliers, and so many more. And some, uh, some interesting news that have shaken up the entire draft class where MPJ was drafted from. Who remembers that? We'll jump right into that. But before we get into it, I want to ask you guys a question. How are you guys liking the intro so far? Is it too long, too short, just right? Uh, Does it sound cool? Does it not? We're trying to do different things. We're going to do the intro again for today. But by all means, text the Courts of Heat text line and email email us at Courts of Heat. 13 at gmail.com all of that will be down in the um in description below whether you are on itunes soundcloud spotify um google podcast and we're going to be getting on iheart radio soon if they uh let us be eligible so i'm going to have everything submitted so iheart radio will be another podcast streaming service you guys will be able to get your podcast through. Hey, we to listen to us 24-7. Or maybe not 24-7, but 20 uh, every single day, right? I guess that would be like 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 uh six, five, I don't know. Like one hour like one to two hours a day, uh for five days straight, something like that. Let's just leave the math out of it. I'm not good doing math first thing in the morning or any time when I record a podcast episode. And without further ado, let's jump right into his podcast by by um what's what's the word? Oh yeah, breaking down the uh social media and whatnot. 
I guess you're really not breaking it down, but just share our social media handles and whatnot. And to start off, we are Instagram. That is Instagram.com slash CourtsideHeatNBA. Again, that is CourtsideHeatNBA for Instagram.com. For Twitter.com, we have Twitter.com slash CourtsideHeat. For Facebook.com, we have CourtsideHeat. For Tumblr.com, we have CourtsideHeat. For medium we have courtside heat.medium.com and of course we have the big mothership the big ahuna we have courtside heat.com where you're able to get all of the articles all of the podcast episodes the main store the huge store might i add everything videos it's all right there memberships we have it all in the in the uh, description below of the podcast, whatever the uh, streaming service you are on, streaming platform you're on, it'll still have a description and everything. So go check our site out if you have not already. It is booming with content as we're making content in the works. And yeah, we're just preparing for everything. And one last announcement, we, we are not going to be doing this Sunday special this week. But we will be doing a Sunday special the following Sunday. As in the description of the podcast and whatnot, as we've been talking and what I've been deciding, every other week will be a Sunday special. And this is where we're going to be able to talk about different topics. One huge topic that's branching away from our series that we're in. And it just lets us go in different directions and... Like the series talking about, like talk about for this week and whatnot about the divisional stance and then the two conferences as a whole. Each Sunday, like next, the next following Sunday, we'll have a Sunday special. We will talk about something pertaining to NBA that's caught our eye, that is gathering more and more attention, more and more eyeballs, and we'll just go deep on that, talk about it, and make a Sunday out of it. Trust me, if you got nothing going on for your Sunday and you're bored, or for some reason you need something basketball related, I would 100% recommend us. Why wouldn't I to listen to our podcast? So mark down your calendar or at least stamp it inside your brain. Or if you're like me and you're forgetful, write it down. I have to write down everything unless I'm very positive about something. But if I'm very positive about something, that tells me I am completely wrong every which way. But without further ado, let's jump right into it. Let's get this bad boy started. And we're going to start off with breaking news. And I get that ESPN experts were releasing all the different predictions they had with Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Rookie of the Year, MVP. Um, but I, 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 with all the awards that are happening, I'm only going to pick up the MVP. Why? Because this is actually really interesting. We could talk about how they're predicting Rudy Gobert to be uh, defensive player of the year. But he's defensive player of the year material. He's won like two or three times now. Like he's a multi-time champion of that award, right? And then rookie of the year, Jalen Green, I believe, was their prediction for rookie of the year. Excuse me. 
I actually agree with that, but on our Sunday special, that's going to be one of the topics that we talk about. That's why I'm not jumping into it, but the ones I do want to jump into right now would be MVP. And per ESPN experts, they're predicting Kevin Durant to win next season's, the upcoming season, MVP award. But Kendrick Perkins actually disagrees, who's an NBA analyst. He was on the jump. He was, like, on the low post as, like, guest and whatnot. He works for ESPN and whatnot. And he's actually predicting Joel Embiid, who was a front runner, who was a runner-up to uh, Nikhil Jokic's MVP win last season. He's projected to win next season's MVP. That's what that's what Perkins wants. He wants to see the process win his first MVP. And between the two guys, it just depends how they play. Joel Bede had injuries, so did Kevin Durant. But the one thing I liked about Joel Bede, uh, postseason, regular season, heck, even preseason, it seemed like he was always cool, calm, and collected. And Bede always seemed like he had things under control. He had a plan. He was strategizing. And I'm not saying that. Kevin Durant did not, but the one thing I liked about Joel Embiid, he was such a dominant, powerful big man for that Philly organization that it was I saw it was going to be very close between Jokic and Embiid. Just going to be hands down, going to be blunt with it, going to be upfront with it because I saw Embiid did more. I get why Jokic won and I applaud him, but I'm also like Embiid was a worthy adversary for. Jokic's uh, MVP, right? And what I'm trying to say is this. Embiid, to me, played through injuries better. He handled situations better. And I get that the Brooklyn Nets had a tough, tough season with COVID-related issues, with injury issues, with different issues like that. And I know it affected their big three, but to see... A non-productive Ben Simmons post-Yellowstar game. Tobias Harris was up and down. Same with Seth Curry. And you have uh, Martise Feibull. And you have all these different guys going up and down. Trying to contribute the best that they can in the postseason and regular season. To me, I just saw Embiid. Who was putting up like 30-point double-doubles, right? Per game, like 20 to 30 point double doubles per night. That was huge. I saw he played better than Kevin Durant that season. But for this season, if he's able to stick with it, if he's able to carry that momentum over uh, to this season, I would call him an MVP. If I'm picking between Kevin Durant and John Bede, it would be John Bede. Unless Kevin Durant picks up and they're like, whoa. No, 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 I'm taking it over because the Nets are dealing with their own issues right now as they're predicted by ESPN uh, experts and whatnot to be the 2022 NBA final favorites, but they're also having their own issues. People are actually talking about the 76ers trading Ben Simmons to 
the Brooklyn Nets for Kyrie Irving. And of course, Kyrie Stop's going to simply retire. We covered that in the last podcast episode, but they're having their own issues. But going player against player, it just comes down to efficiency and productivity. And if I'm going to say, hey, this is what Embiid did last season, and he provided more for his team through troubling times for good times, I'm going to pick Embiid nine times of the times. Kevin Durant's a heck of a basketball player. Same with Embiid. But seeing what he did last season and going through all the adversity and whatnot, going through all the troubling times, injuries and whatnot, it has to be Embiid. So that's why I believe Embiid could be the winner of this year's um, MVP, the 2022 MVP. So I got to agree with Kendrick Perkins, who made that bold, bold, bold prediction. And I actually believe that bold prediction can't become true without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. And that's what I believe. Now, on social media... I believe it was Instagram to be exact. I said for the podcast, I was going to talk about Isaiah Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is now getting a trial with the Golden State Warriors. He once had a trial with the Los Angeles Lakers. And we see a common theme here in the California area, right? In the state of California. Um, this is really good. Not, so, Isaiah Thomas was going to be a player on the Lakers. But as I mentioned before, the reason why he was not was because of Rajon Rondo. He got traded from the cup joint to Memphis. Grind City didn't want him. Contract bio, he lands back with the Lake Show. Totally understandable. Very predictable because they're winning a championship. That's their mindset. That's their mentality. That's their overall motive, right, for this season. So it was going to be clear once that contract by was initiated, was set in stone, he was going to come back to uh, Los Angeles with the Lakers, right? So Isaiah got kicked to the curb. And they never officiated anything. They never made it official. But it was always like, okay, Thomas is going to get his uh, chance back in the NBA. Whether that may be short, medium-ish, or long for this 82-game season that's going to come up. At least he's going to be on a team. Now, a few weeks later, we hear that he's getting a trial. He's getting another shot in the NBA with the Warriors. So this trial actually goes deeper than what we may believe it to be. Than what we're anticipating it to be. Why? Because this. I've always been a huge fan of Isaiah Thomas. I believe him through some of the greatest games of his career. Through the tragic uh, tragedy he had to witness and play through of his uh, sister's passing. I mean, he scored that ridiculous amount of points. I believe it was like, yeah, like a 50, 60-point game. Something crazy. He just went off for the Celtics at that time. And that was like one of my top moments. One of my fan-favorite moments. 
I I respect, I love the grind of, of Isaiah Thomas. He's a basketball guy. He's a guy that loves the game and that he wants to get out of the game as much as he can. So, without a shout out of my mind, I want him back on a team. But it also has to make sense for the team and for him, IT. But here's why this is so special. Why this is so significant. Are you ready? It's because he could be getting another shot. It could be getting another shot. Because a tryout can lead to something huge. We all know that. And for NBA team to say, look, we're going to give you a shot. Prove it on a tryout. Prove it on a trial. And if you can, and we have something for you. We have a roster spot for you. Because he's a point guard. And their main point guard right now is Stephen Curry. That's a Pioca point guard. But going off of what he was categorized on the basketball court, right? He would be the back of the Stephen Curry going off of positions, correct? And to me, this could be the team. Pardon me. This could be the team because now you're saying... Look, the NBA teams are scouting you. They always scouted you, but now they're going another step forward and giving you that invitation to try out, giving you those glimpses of hope to say, look, we know you still have a lot in the tank. We know you're dropping 80 points, uh, spectacular games, and pro-am league games. That's huge. We're keeping note of that. GM, scouts, everyone's taking note of that. And now the Warriors are the second team in California in the state of California to offer him a tryout. So to me, this is significant. This is saying that he still has some stock left in his player view, left in the way that he left the NBA. When when the ups and downs and how he carried himself in different leagues to try to work back into the NBA is huge. And teams are taking note of that and saying, look, we'll give you another shot. And it comes for a tryout of the Golden State Warriors. So I 100% believe this. He's going to get that tryout, and he could blow away this team. He has a 50-50 shot. He can either wow them, or he can really underwhelm them and be like, yeah, we're just going to kick you back to the curb, and that's that. So forget where the trial's coming. That's going to happen later this week. All I know is this. He has one shot. I don't know if he has any more teams reportedly interested in him. They have not said that publicly. There's no public rumors. But I do know this. He has a present trial. It's known. It's public. And he could be back in the NBA. He may not be a starter. But hey, it's a start. Even if you're a second and third string point guard, most likely if the Warriors are second string point guard uh, behind... Stephen Curry and in front Jordan Pelley, or Pulley, uh, however he pronounces his last name, I apologize, and Gary Payne, uh, Gary Payne, I think to me, that's going to be something to watch out for. It's a start, and then you like, keep building yourself back. You keep saying, okay, I'm a little over 30 years old, but I got this. The guys, look at me. 
I know I'm over 30. I know I'm going to be a backup, but I can become a starter on a different team or have starter-like minutes with the Golden State Warriors if possible. And I believe Dub Nation, the Golden State area, the Bay, will actually give him a contract. That's going to be my bold bet. That If I had to bet money on that, I would because I believe Isaiah Thomas is going to wow them out of their socks, out of their shoes, out of their everything to say, oh, wow, he's a great backup. He's better than Gary Payne. He's better than uh, Jordan. He's better than um, the other backup point guards and Stephen Curry. He's going to be the one, right? And to me, that's what's going to happen. I think that's going to happen later this week on the tryout. And I actually cannot wait. I 100% cannot wait, and I want that moment to happen because I believe it can happen. And that's why I believe it was so significant. Not because I saw it was going to be clickbait by talking about him, but I 100% believe this is a legitimacy what he's offering to the game and what um, the game's offering to him. And it comes through the Golden State Warriors. Now, talk about legitimacy and what you need to find. You just you just never really know anymore, do you? Like who really knows? Like legitimacy can come in any shape, form, or fashion. Legitimacy can come through well, really anything, right? And the thing that is this, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up right now, as everyone will be shocked. But USA Basketball hopes to hire their next head coach before the start of the NBA season, right? That's pretty uh, ordinary, sta- uh, like, stand- uh, like, oh, what's the word? That's like ordinary, that's like pretty standard. And that's pretty standard for Team USA. They're like, okay, we had Greg Popovich. Now we're going to move on. We're going to try to get a new head coach. And through the fruit of that, there was rumors that Steve Kerr, Doc Rivers, Neyman Millen, Monty Williams, Tom Thibodeau, Eric Spolstra and Lloyd Pierce. Shockingly enough, Lloyd Pierce has done nothing. Sorry. Keeping them out. Keeping all of that out. Are all fit for that description of what the team is looking for when they're trying to carry out their plan for gold and whatnot, right? For for Team USA, they're hoping to hire... They're trying to hold, they're hoping to hire a new head coach. A new head coach is able to take over. And you know what the funny part is? You know, one guy that was not mentioned that was, could be given a shot. You ready? LeVar Ball. I, I legit swear, there is legit, legitimate seeing LeVar Ball become a potential candidate for that position on USA basketball. On. Uh, I can't believe that, but there's actually, like, realness in what I just said. LeVar Ball could be eyeing up that position. Whether he's going to get it or not, I actually don't believe he is going to get it. But I do believe this. He could be having his name in that, too. And everything else, he's been able to get his name into. This could be one of the things. And now, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked, but overall, I do not believe it's going to happen. 
I believe it's going to come down to Steve Kerr, Doc Rivers, Naaman Miller, or Monty Williams. Lloyd Pierce is definitely out. Tom Thibodeau, eh, not feeling it for that one. Eric Spolster will be good, but I'd rather play style with Monty Williams, right? Eric, Bo- Eric Spolster has more of a background, but I'll give Monty a shot. And of course, we know the background of Doc Rivers, Naaman Miller, and Kerr, correct? But I just thought that was interesting. So the curveball in this was that LeVar Ball was rumored to be a candidate for this. And then, of course, we saw, um, well, I'm sorry, then we saw these different names come in off of basketball.realgm.com and many other credible sources about uh, USA Basketball wanting to hire a new head coach. We knew about Greg Popovich here for five years. He won gold medal down in Tokyo, and that was pretty much it for Team USA. Now they're departing with him. They want to find a new head coach, which is understandable, respectable. And I believe one of those four men can actually lead uh, USA basketball to gold or to more victories. And I would love to see Monty Williams command that team. I think he could in a heartbeat. Same with Spolstra, right? Dallas, you see McMillan with Rivers, with Kerr, right? I think Kerr will be underwhelming unless he has a super stacked team. Doc Rivers, he'll do his part. I think McMillan can have whoever and just transform form that team. Same with the Suns. I'm so I'm excited about that. I'm gonna keep my eye on that. And I would highly recommend, suggest to you guys to do the same. Why? Because you just never know. But that's the curveball. That's the straight up facts that I was just saying about USA Basketball. And that is that. And moving on to one of our, to one of our remaining pieces. We have three more pieces, three more topics of breaking news. Until our series, which is the toughest division in the entire NBA. So, up next, and this is this is actually really interesting. I, I, I'm not very in favor of this with Cleveland, but maybe I have some good attentions behind this. And that is that the Cavaliers are taking Darius Garland off the table in any Ben Simmons trade. I trade off first, whatnot, but you want to know this. But they'll trade away Colin Sexton in draft picks. Where are they valuing Colin Sexton? Or are they overvaluing Ben Simmons? Because Colin Sexton is a scorer, is an attacker, is that inside guy, is that free point shooter. Ben Simmons is not that, so maybe you don't value Colin Sexton that much. Because when I first heard that, I'm like, what? I was scratching my head, I'm like, really? Because I don't believe it. But they took Garland off the table, so they can't trade from him. They could trade that, they can ask for him, but they'll just reject him. But not for Colin Sexton and draft picks. I don't know about that one. Something seems off to me. They've won. They always wanted to trade Colin Sexton. Always wanted to trade him. They wanted to trade him for Jalen Green before they took Evan Mobley, the center. They've been trying to trade Kevin Love. 
That's why they traded for Lauren Marketing to stick it uh stick it in the back of Kevin Love. That's why they're doing these subtle moves with powerful moves. I don't know what they like or don't like about Colin Sexton, but Colin Sexton is a fine player. Is it the money? I don't know. I'm trying to say this through because there's Garland, no disrespect to him, is good, but not as good as Colin Sexton. He's on their level good. So for me to see that in the headlines, I'm just like, whoa, what's happening here? Is this something we should be looking out for? Because Colin Sexton is averaging 24 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds out to 47%, 47.5% from the field per game. And there's also rumors for the Cavaliers and Spurs to have a trade, which is focused on Colin Sexton going to the Spurs. What is this? Are they not wanting to have Sexton in their plans because of money? Or just because of the player? Or is there something more going on? After his his rookie contract comes up, his rookie extension is eligible for five years, $173 million. That will be from 2022 to 26. But I'm just saying, what's or I'm asking, what's going on? Does JB Bickerstaff, the head coach of the Cavaliers, not able to get fruited Colin uh, Colin Sexton? Is there bad blood to where they're able to where they're able to sacrifice a good player for a mediocre head coach? Well, I guess I shouldn't assume too quick, just because we really don't know who he is. I'm pretty sure he's has up and ups and downs, but at this point, who knows? Uh, then you have all these different rumors like the Cavaliers trading Colin Sexton and Kevin Love to the Lakers in exchange for Russell Westbrook. Why would I want Russell Westbrook? Like, if I'm the Cavaliers, well, I get why you want to give up Kevin Love. You want to get rid of those uh, $60 million left on his contract. I get that. That's why you got all right marketing. We've already assessed that. We already scratched that off the list. But to give out Colin Sexton, I don't know about I don't know about him. I don't know how he's affecting the locker room and whatnot. But Russell Westbrook's more of a headache, and I think a little LeBron James can tame him. He's just such a ball hog, such a needy little man. I'm not even kidding. So to see the Spurs, Lakers all be surrounding rumored trades for Colin Sexton and the Cleveland organization, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Is a little bewildering. Is a little head scratching, if I may say so. Because I'm just like, what's going on? You would take Garland over Sexton. Is it because Ricky Rubio? You traded from um from him, from the Minnesota Timberwolves. You guys had won the best off seasons in a while. The best in best in free agency, best in the off season that we were covering on the podcast. During our latest series a few weeks ago. And now you're setting us all into shockers right here. And I'm looking up Darius Garland over here in his stats. Because I just want to see real quick. Just off statistics. 
Garland, who's a point guard, is averaging 17 points, 6 assists, and 2 rebounds per game off of 45% shooting. That's not bad in 33 minutes per game. That's actually good for a former first uh, fifth overall pick that went back in the 2019 NBA draft. I'm just saying to myself, how much do they value Colin Sexton? Are there any off-the-court, on-the-court variables that are affecting his stats within the organization? Is this like a head coaching problem? Is there a coach-player feud? Is there a player-on-player feud? Is there egos clashing? Is bad blood clashing? Or is this just, look, we don't value that much for $173 million uh, a million dollar extension on five years because if you do that, you will be paying him 34 and roughly a half million dollars per year 34.6 million dollars a year. So that could get pricey, but you're fine figuring out that team. You still have some rebuilding to do, but you're getting on the right track. I'm just very confused here. But to get rid of Kevin Love, which makes sense, but also Colin Sexton in a mock room, like in a mock trade to the Lakers for Russell Westbrook, that to me just seems really risky. But think about it. You have, and I'm going to tell you, you have powerful or marketing. Shooting guard Colin Sexton, center Evan Mobley, point guard Darius Garland. And center Jared Allen. You have backup Ricky Rubio, backup Kevin Love, backup City Osman, backup uh, Isaiah Okoro. It was backup Omar Stevens, right? And the bench gets all deeper than that. Um, I'm just like, come on. Come on. I, I, I don't know. I'm not feeling this one as much. I'm not feeling this one as much with them. Making Garland untouchable and Ben Simmons, but like, well, you know what? We won't make Colin Sexton untouchable. We won't make Colin Sexton untouchable. I find that a little suspicious. I just find it a little bit because the contract is different than uh, the contract situation is different between Sexton and Garland. Garland is to be self free agent. Uh, I'm looking right now if I can get down to it. <laughs> but how do I get to Sky Barnes? <laughs> I'm sorry. Sky Barnes. I'm just trying to load this. He'll be a free agent in 2023. They only have to pay him $7 million this year, $8 million next year, and $11 million in 2023. <sighs> Still working off that rookie contract. Maybe money is not in a good place for them. Maybe getting Russ Westbrook will be a better place. To be honest, I don't know. And all I can say and all I know right now is giving a Colin Sexton will be a really bad deal in the long run. I think you give him those five years. You try to work something out. Uh, we're able to get some money. Maybe go into the luxury tax a little bit. I don't know. Maybe pay some more fees. I don't know. But you're finally getting this team together. And I think that Russell Westbrook will be one of the most horrendous things for this team. Not because he's a self, um, self-controller. 
Not because he's a control freak. Not because he's an egomaniac. Not because he needs the ball in his hands every two seconds. Not because um, he, he, he needs that fame and attention on social media and on the basketball court. No, but because he will not be a fit. I don't know. I don't see him being a fit. But for the Lakers, if they could call in Sexton and uh, Kevin Love, you're adding two more pieces. You're going to make the. Now will pretty much change up my Pacific Division bracket. You're, you're going to make this team untouchable, unbeatable, um, immortal in a way. Which is going to be very frightening if a mock trade like that goes through or some variation of that trade goes through. If it does, right? This is all mock. It's fancy right now. It's make believe. It's fairy tale, right? But these could be realities coming. These could be scenarios actually boiling up, cooking up in the making. Uh, so I'm not going to let this go to a rest. I think if Cleveland makes a choice, a trade not only kind of love but context and you're making a bad deal. You're making a bad move. Trade Kevin kind of Love. I don't like him one bit on this team. I think he's out of touch with his team now. It's not fitting in with this culture anymore that Cleveland's trying to build. But if it's a money issue, you gotta figure this out. Unless you can't. If you tell if you say to the world, I can't figure it out. We can't do it. We have to let context and go. Maybe trade someone else. I don't know. But you're finally getting this team set up. I like Sexton, Marketing, uh, Garland, Rubio, Allen. I like those guys. I like that bench. I'm finally becoming more of a proud Cleveland fan now, for crying out loud. I hated them back in 2016. Okay, I said they were pretty cool in 2016. But still, you get where I'm going at. It's taking them forever. It's taking them almost five years. Let's not squander this moment away. But yeah, that's where we're at. That's where we're at big time. And to be honest, I was shocked. I was shocked when I was going to see Garland getting more attention from the Cleveland organization. From what it looks like online and whatnot than Colin Sexton. But what do you guys what do you guys feel? What are your guys' opinions? Hit us up at 602-791-2108. That is Courts of Heat text line. Or email us email us at Courts of Heat 13 at gmail.com. Again, that's Courts of Heat 13 at gmail.com. Text us your thoughts about this. This is pretty crazy, pretty wacky stuff right now. And we just want to know your guys' feedback. And until the next rumor comes up. That is that. So, Eric Gordon. So, Eric Gordon's with the Houston Rockets right now. So, we're going to be transitioning out of this last topic featuring uh, the Cavaliers to now featuring the Houston Rockets. So, the Rockets could be trading Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's not requested a trade, but he's he's open to, to a trade. This one doesn't surprise me as much, right? They're in rebuild mode. They have no idea what they're trying to do. They're trying to get rid of John Wall. They've agreed to a, to a trade seek for Wall. I wouldn't be surprised if Gordon, the longtime Houston uh, baller, 
finally left the team. I don't think he'll be too upset about it. Right, Eric Gordon's 32 years old. He's been with Houston since 2016. He spent 2011 and 2015 with the Pel- Pelicans. And, of course, starting off the Clippers from 2008 to 2010. But I don't know. I, I'm not too broken up about the shooting guard small four being traded, right? I see it'll actually work out for both teams. Did he get picked for him? Or did he get younger players, younger developmental players? And they're able to trade out the veteran. And the veteran's able to go play somewhere that has better playoff contention. A better playoff roadmap, right? For a better phrase. Black of a better phrase. So I'm not too upset about that. I think that's pretty ordinary. Um, he's 32 years old again. I just think it's time. It'll benefit both sides. Uh, you'll be able to find more. I think being able to have a team that's more young and developmental and promising is better than having an aging veteran that's just been hit or miss for that team. He's provided on the court for that team, but I think it's time after four to five years now of just sweeting, uh, sweeting up the deal to departing from him. In all honesty. But yeah. Um, not the biggest news in the world. But this one is the biggest news in the world. And you remember when we got down to Michael Porter Jr. And this is like when news surfaced back up. And this was huge. This was huge. Uh, let me see if I could pull it back up. Because this was this was legit huge. Oh, here we go. I found it and whatnot. But yeah, so Salem Michael Porter Jr. was this. Who remembers in 2019, a 2018 NBA draft, he was dealing with all these... Excuse me. Sorry, I had some, I had some water. So yeah. Um, but who remembers in 2018 when Michael Porter Jr. was dealing with these all these different injuries? I can't remember if it was a foot injury or not. But... He was expected to go number two to the Sacramento Kings. Excuse me, in that draft. But one of the Clippers team doctors told teams that MPJ's injury would make him unable to ever play again. Did anybody catch that? That is beyond bad. Back then, it probably looked like it. Three years ago, it probably did. But imagine that the the net. The, I'm sorry, the Kings passed up on MPJ, who's been turning into a great player, to a good player for that Nuggets team. That now was like, wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. We we listened to one of the Clippers team, team doctors. Did he just cost us the second overall pick? Because if we go back to that 2018 draft, it gets very, very interesting. Because he fell from being the second overall pick to being, I'm trying to look for it right now, and somewhere, somewhere, for real, can I find it? Oh, come on. I had, I had it all planned out. 
beat yeah because the second overall pick for the kings at that time was marvin bagley the first which has been turning out to be horrendous right but now michael poor jr fell all the way down to the 14th pick of the first overall imagine that all the way down to denver the clippers passed him up twice with picks 12 and 13. Imagine that. Philly passed him. The Knicks passed him. Cleveland passed him. Chicago passed him. Orlando, who tra- uh, drafted Mo Bamba, who's okay, tra- drafted uh, uh, society against them. That's tough. The Sacramento Kings made a horrible decision with Marvin Bagley. Never worked out. Not saying that it could have worked out with MPJ, but looking at him now, that's bad because of all, just because of one team doctor did it alter the course of NBA history. Because where would Marvin Bagley drop to? Uh, because Luka Doncic went to the Hawks. Trey Young went to Dallas before their trade. Then you see Jaron Jackson Jr. go to Memphis. Deontay went number one to Phoenix. Um, then you see number 14, a Missouri player, MPJ, Michael Porter Jr., goes all the way down to 14th. And Jerome Robinson was drafted, and Miles, Dr- Miles Bridges was drafted by the Los Angeles Clippers. This one doctor had him so scared, all these teams so scared, that they were not going to risk it with Michael Porter Jr. But if it was not for Nuggets drafting him, who would have? Could Washington given him the shot, not Troy Brown Jr.? Could Phoenix have tra- uh, have drafted Porter over Smith? Could the Bucks even have gotten him a shot instead of drafting Dante DiVincenzo? Like, imagine if the Nuggets did not decide to take a risk on him. What if they met up with someone to where they're like, no, we can ensure that once you draft him, he should be go. He's going to be able to touch a basketball again. Because that was some pretty far-fetched news right there. Pretty crazy news like, whoa, injuries have just derailed this guy's career. Before his career even started. Somebody made that make sense. They went looking at these guys. Lonnie Walker could have been different. Kevin Herter could have been different. Josh Okogie could have been different. Grayson Allen could have been different. Charles Hutchinson could have been different. Mortis Wagner, Landry Shammer, Robin Williams, Jacob Evans, Omar Smellman. All these different guys. That's just insane. All because of one team doctor. One of the doctors on the Los Angeles Clippers. And the Clippers had back-to-back picks and on 12 and 13. And decided to listen to that one doctor. Now, whether they were going to draft him or not, they passed him up too. And they had the same shot twice. Just imagine that. Just imagine that. What one man can say. What one man can do. Especially in the NBA, can can alter history. Imagine. 
Imagine if we drop down a little more beyond the 14th pick. Maybe like to the 20th pick, the 23rd pick. Heck, he could have even gone before that. What if the doctor didn't say anything? He went to the Kings. Would the Nuggets be as good? Would MPJ be as good? Would the Kings stay the same? Or would they just be a forgotten path again? A forgotten shadow? Would we have seen the Dallas Mavericks trying to make something happen? Would we have seen anyone make anything happen? What if Phoenix decided to do something? But they're always going to take the Arizona State player, which was DeAndre Ayn. I just find that super crazy. That's just bad. But yeah, that's just crazy. Just think about that. That's just unreal. One team doctor maybe saved that guy's career unintentionally. Just imagine that. You could have gone and played for the Sorry Kings, but now you're with a somewhat dominant, powerful Nuggets team with Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Jokic. Crazy, crazy stuff. So the Kings were f- unfortunate. But maybe the most fortunate part in this was that MPJ didn't have to go play with the Sacramento Kings. So unintentionally, that one team doctor may have saved the career MPJ. Just think about that. On the flip side of things, that is crazy. Just think about that. My, oh my. That is crazy. What one man can do can either hurt a player, hurt a team, benefit a team, or benefit the player. It's just crazy how sports works, how life works, how anything works, which is really crazy when it's all said and done. Now, guys, that was our piece of breaking news. That was our fun um, topic of breaking news to head on into our series, our brand new series, which you started this past Thursday. Oh, we will be covering the Southwest Division, like I stated on the last podcast episode. And this division consists of five teams, which are the Dallas Mavericks, the Memphis Grizzlies, the San Antonio Spurs, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Houston Rockets. Well, um, where do I want to start? Let's start at the bottom end. Pacific Division, I was going off on in a positive and negative route. The Kings were going to fail, but that was just one team was going to fail in the Pacific Division. But now looking at the Southwest Division, there are several teams that are going to fail, not because it was forced upon them, not because of bad decisions, but because of rebuilding. Number one, Houston. The Houston Rockets right now are trying to rebuild. Their star player is Christian Wood. That's who they acquired. They were trying to make something out of nothing last season after Christian Wood's injury, and now they're here. Now they have Christian Wood, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., John Wall, Alperin Sangun, Sangun, sorry, I can't pronounce his name, Josh Christopher, Eric Gordon, all these different guys, Daniel Tice, Daniel House, Wow, a lot of Daniels here. Avery Bradley, DJ Wilson, 
DJ Gaston. We got a lot of guys here. But here's the thing. John Wall isn't sticking around. Well, he's going to be traded this season or the beginning of the offseason next season. Or next offseason. Then we have Eric Gordon. He may not be staying around. He never requested for a trade we're mentioning. But he's, but he's open to it. So the Rockets are in full rebuild mode. I don't expect the Rockets to go off. Their main guy is Christian Wood. They're not moving off of him. But then you got the rookie Jalen Green. He's supposed to be rejected when rookie of the year. They're expecting some good things. So maybe some big things out of him. But just looking at everything that has been occurring. And looking at our records and whatnot. I wouldn't be surprised if they're second to last in that division. Why? Because I actually do believe this. Last year, 2020 season, 2020-21 season, 17-55. and 55. Um, Then that was her first bad season. That, that was her first bad season. And as crazy it may sound, in 2019, when they were 44-28, and 28, and then the prior season, the previous season, 53-29, and 29, the previous season by that, they had 63, 65 wins. Then they had 55 wins. Then 41, 41, 500, right? Then 56 and 54 to 45 and 32. I'm sorry, 34. But you guys get where I'm going with this. So this is true the first bad season since 2015 when they went 500. They were only tw- uh, 236 that entire season. That was their win-loss percentages. They finished fifth of fifth of fifth in their conference. But here's the thing. Here's the ultimate reality. Who's going to be better? The Pelicans or the Rockets? Steven Silas is hoping for a better season. Anything over 236 or somewhere in that range is not good. If you could pick it up like the free 400, that would be beautiful. It's going to be a full 82 game season if that still stands corrected. And if that still stands true, right? And the way, just going off of the Pelicans here and everyone else in this conference, the the Spurs will always be that team in third seed, in the third seed, in the third, third place that conference. I'm going to get to them in a second. But looking between the Rockets and the Pelicans, I've talked a lot about these two teams, especially New Orleans Pelicans and that organization. It has Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Devontae Graham, Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes. Right now, the Pelicans are in a turmoil season. They have a new head coach, third head coach for... Zion Williamson, he's had one new co- new head coach each year, Alvin Gentry, then um, uh, Stan Van Gundy, and now former, and then Willie Green, sorry, that, uh, now you have down here, Zion Williamson may want out, Zion Williamson may be realizing his talent, he goes somewhere else, Brandon Ingram needs somebody else to play with. Josh Hart needs to get better. Like, there's all these different moving pieces. 
but this team just can never find a solid foundation. Jackson Hayes is having his own issues. Devontae Graham will never be able to replace a little undo ball. He'll be a good filler, a part-time filler, but never a full-time filler, if that makes sense. Jonas V, uh, former Memphis Grizzlies center, who was traded over to Memphis for Eric Bledsoe and... Uh, who you call all, and Steven Adams, Eric Vinner, who obviously went down to clip, to the clip joint, to Clippers. Now it's just like, okay, you got a lot of pieces here. Some good, some bad, some ugly. The best players on that team would be uh, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and Jonas. Devontae Graham, he's okay. Josh Hart, He's okay. Jackson Hayes, he's a bum. He shouldn't be in the NBA. He he shouldn't be like a water boy in the NBA. Trey Murphy, he could be something. Like Herb Jones bench, Kira Lewis Jr. bench, Tomas Sarorowski, Sarorowski, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I apologize if I'm not. He's bench. Wenyan Gabriel, bench. Nahi Marshall, bench. Jose Alvarado, Alvarado, um, bench, uh, Garrett Temple, bench, Roy Hernan Gomez, bench, Dalton Holmes, bench, James Nola, Nolanali, bench, like, you guys get where I'm going with this, there's more bench players than there are good players, and that actually means a lot, you have a superstar talent in Zion Williamson. That's the perceived notion. That's what we've been led to believe and what his high films have made us feel about him. Brandon Ingram has been up and down, but finally getting solid seasons last, solid numbers last season. Josh Hart, he's up and down, but his encore play is good enough for that team right now. They're in a rebuilding mode. They're just trying to find their identity. But for me, the Pelicans... If I'm if I'm the Rockets, I won't be worried about going fifth or fifth. I actually believe the Pelicans will be worse than the Rockets this year. Why? That's not me being a jerk. That's not me putting down this team. But it, it's just like mm, there's not so much you can do, right? You're thirty-one, forty-one. You had a you had a fourteen-game difference. With from the Rockets, right? You have 14 games on them. But it's not like you're doing anything. 2020, 30 wins. 2019, 33. 2017 was a good year for them, 40 and 34. Uh, then reverse those numbers in 2016 was 34, 48. Then they just go back down. The next good season was 2014, 45 wins. And then... 2010, 46, 36, and then 2008 and 2007, right? So it's like, okay, what's going on? And we know how disgruntled this team is um, uh, mentally, mo- emotionally, physically, especially as Al Williamson. That once his contract comes up or he forces a trade out of there, he's leaving either way. That's my bold prediction. So you should not be an organization that's on your third head coach just with this player alone. So when I'm looking at this, I'm like, your bench is weak. 
And I think the only reason why you guys got lucky to make it into fourth to into the fourth seed and only like a few games out of uh what you call it of the playing tournament. I don't know. I just think you guys got very lucky on that. Because it could have ended very badly for them. Uh, the Rockets just failed. That was all for them when Christian Wood went down. Losing those 22 some odd games, 20 some odd games in a row did not help. But here's the thing I think it's going to go uh, Pelicans dead last. And given their circumstance, they have no direction, still trying to find an identity. Cer- certainty, certainty is not guaranteed. And I believe disaster is on horizon for that organization. The Rockets are still in rebuild mode. So, they're looking at everything. They're trying to figure out something for John Wall. He's going to be moved either this season or the early parts of next offseason. Eric Gordon could be on the trade block. They could be fielding offers for him. And then they're going to have to try to figure out what they're going to do. With all their different players, like with Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, of course, Jalen Green. Christian Wood and Jalen Green are untouchable this season for obvious reasons. When healthy, Christian Wood was phenomenal in his first major role in the NBA and for that team. Now for Jalen Green, this is this is not a proving year because this is his first season. So they're going to take the new car off the lot. And you're going to see how that bad boy operates on the road, or in this case, on the court. And I'm actually excited for Jalen Green because I actually believe he's going to be rookie of the year. I think it's going to be better than, say, Cunningham. I think it's going to be better than Jalen Smith. I think Scotty, I think Scott Barnes is going to be up there, but I don't think he's going to come near Jalen Green. I could be wrong, but that draft class wasn't bad with Cunningham, Green, Smith, Barnes, right, Mobley. I don't think Mobley has a chance just because he's center and you're not Shaq, right? But you get where I'm coming from. You get where I am coming from. Because this is going to be very, very interesting. But the first two seats, dead last, Pelicans. Second to dead last, uh, Rockets. Now, we come down to the Spurs. They came in uh, third dead last. They were in third place in the Southwest Division. The Spurs, I have no idea what's going on. Greg Popovich has not been relevant as a head coach since Kawhi Leonard, since Tim Duncan, since David Aldridge, since... uh, uh, Oh, what's that one guy? A Tony Parker, right? Since that core. They're very lost. They're very, very lost. The only thing keeping up up is going to be Zach Collins, Doug McDermott, Derek White, obviously, Lonnie Walker, obviously, uh, Dijon Murray. He wasn't bad. He averaged 15 points. A career high for him, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, career high for him, 15 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists. Had a great breakout year. So, Murray, and then you have Zach Collins. If he can stay healthy, he could be a nice big man. And then you come on down to Joshua Primo. Joshua Primo is going to be really good. 
He was the 12th overall pick in this year's draft. I believe Primo's going to get some good minutes as the as their uh, a shooting guard. So you have your point guard, which is Murray, solid, averaging 15 points per game. Primo, I'm going to say he's going to average between 12 to 17 points. So it's at least six rebounds and a few assists, right? I would say that for Primo. I'm actually speaking very high on Primo. I was excited for him to be in the top 15. That's why I was ranking him. Was in the top 15 of that draft. And then I go down to uh, Keldon Johnson. He's not bad. He averaged career high numbers in his second season in the NBA. In the second season with the Spurs. Of notching 13.6 rebounds and 2 assists per game. That's huge. So you have another guy, Thaddeus Young. He had 12 points too. He's been up and down his entire career. But he's getting solid numbers. He's stable at 56% from the field. He shot 12 points per game. 6 rebounds and 4 assists. So it's not bad as things go. That's a new acquisition for that team. Same with Zach Collins. Same with Doug McDermott. Same with Doug McDermott. Right, he averaged 13 points for Indy last season, and that was career highs. Any team they played with, that was a career high right there. 2019 was a career high by point one, but then he skyrocketed by 3.5 points to get to 13.6 points and have career highs. He had career highs in assistant rebounds and shooting percentages, which was 53.2%. And that's in 24 and a half minutes for 66 games. Those are really good numbers. Derek White, when healthy, he put up 15 points. So these may not be guys that you are singing of regularly, but this is a top two, top three team in the Southwest Division. Easily. You may hate Greg Popovich. I don't believe he's a good head coach. But something to always look out for is that even though we may not dis, we may agree or disagree on Greg Popovich and whatnot, the Spurs are not players that are known names. Meaning, there's no Kyle Under on there. He's with the Clippers. Tony Parker's retired and whatnot. You had all these different guys and whatnot. They left and whatnot. Uh, of course, Tim Duncan's not been on that team since 2015 as an active player. He's been a coach. Like one of those role models, right? But Joshua Primo's excited. Don't count him out. The 12th overall draft pick, get ready for him. He was top 15 all day. He was going to get secured. He was going to get locked in. Murray, he's a solid point guard. He's going to make those visionary plays. He's going to be that playmaker that team needs to see this upcoming season. Johnson, he's going to be attacking the bucket. He's going to make sure to use his height and size to his advantage. He's put up very good career points. He doubled in rebounds. He doubled in assists. And he was up three points on his, on his, um, what do you call him? Points. He also played 11 more minutes and played 51, 52 more games than he did in 2019 due to injuries and different things like that. Wait, was that 2020 season? That 2019, yeah. So you see where I'm going for this. And you add in young Collins McDermott and different guys that you picked up. 
it's not gonna be bad. It's not gonna be bad. You're adding to your depth chart. You're adding to your bench. I'm not gonna be shocked if this team goes for a solid record. I'm not gonna be shocked at all. Why? They were 33 and 39. Out of 82 games, I believe they can be 500. That team right there, if they stay 100% healthy, or at least 89% uh, healthy, and you see guys that are uh, consistent on the court, productive on the court, efficient on the court, and able to play as a team of good chemistry, good bonding, good technique, good fundamentals, uh, that's a 500 team. If they play a full 82-game season, they're going to be 41-41. They're going to be 500 without a shadow of a doubt. I would actually rank them higher than the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies are also in a rebuild mode as I'm just going to transition over to them now. Why? Grind City, the Memphis Grizzlies, are in an interesting spot. Why? Well, they have John Moran, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Nobbs, Dylan Brooks. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for that for the good players. Jackson, Moran, uh, Adams, Brooks. Then you for your bench you have Brandon Clark, Santi Aldama, Jerk Hover, Xavier Tillman, Killian Tilly, Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards not bad. He averaged four points per game. Yeah. Well, he can't all be winners, right? But he he's not bad for the eight minutes that he plays, eight, nine minutes plays per game. He's bench. Chris Dunn's a bum. Tyson Jones, bench. D'Anthony Melton, former Suns, bench. Um, it's Sam Merrill. He was the 60 overall pick, right? Uh, then Desmond Bain, he's he's not bad. He averaged nine points in twenty three minutes per game for, with free rebounds. Desmond Bain's not bad. Watch out for the twenty thirteen uh, twenty three year old to do something huge. Add a, uh, at least three more points to get a career high. At least get like twelve to thirteen points per game. At least two the free rebounds. Like this team's good. Don't get me wrong. Jaron Jackson, he could be he could be getting a four year, a hundred seven million dollar contract, or the contract like of Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. That's what many people around the NBA are speculating, are predicting because of how good Jaron Jackson is. He's just a productive player. He's a leader, a leader esque player, right? He embodies his role. He values his role. And he fulfills his role perfectly. S- uh, Stephen Adams is a great center. They, they made sure to get talent back on talent that they sent out. And then, of course, John Moran. He's got point guard. He's got a flashy point guard. That productive. That turnover point guard. Meaning he's finishing. He's your finisher. He has that court awareness. He's able to read everything to a T. He's he's learning from his mistakes. He's very coachable, it seems like. He's always developing season by season. And that is such a huge given attribute for that team in John Moran. So, could they also go 500? I, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. 
They went 38 and 34 last uh, last season. 2019, 34 and 39. Then 2018, 33 and 49. Then 2017, 22 and 60. They've had up and up and down seasons. Last season was their best season since 2016. Of 2014 was when they had a 55 game season. Uh, the last time they had a 60 game season uh, was. Never. <laughs> they never had 60 wins. The closest they had in any perfection was 55 wins. And that came back in twenty four in the 2014-15 season. Um, which is pretty crazy. But that's, that's where it be at. Uh, so, could the Spurs beat out the Grizzlies? It just depends on productivity and health. Who's, like, who's more healthy? Right, uh, like, there's not really anything to really go that deep into it. It just depends who's more productive, who's building bonds, who's carrying out the mission, the plan, right? Who's acting on it? Who's becoming a dominant piece or pieces, right? Because one guy's the glue, there's all the pieces sticking together, and they have Megatron in your hands, right? So, Memphis could be a solid, too. But now, hands down, hands down would be number one would be Dallas. The Dallas Mavericks are looking real good. They're looking real good, good, good. I love this. I love what the Mavericks are doing. They have Luka Doncic, Chris Porzingis, re-signed Boba Marvich, Tim Hardaway Jr. They re-signed. They got Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock is a great defender. Oh, he's going to be so, so good. He's one of my top defensive players in the league. He's one of my top players because the 30-year-old not only averaged 10 points a game, but going on, but going beyond statistics, he's just a very good lockdown defender who stops you in your tracks, gets you to rework everything you just program to your head, to your feet, the move, boom, he'll shut you down. He'll make you work for every inch of that court with or without the ball. He could play inside and outside the pain parameter. He could play around the three-point line. He could be anywhere. It is truly amazing. So Reggie Bulk was a great assistant on defense. He plays also a shooting guard, so he'll back up Tim Hardaway Jr. in the shooting guard sense. But you have, if Chris Albertzing is not going to be traded, if he's actually healthy, that could be something. He's been a failed experiment after all those surgeries on his knees, right? On those all those ACL injuries, all those knee injuries. So, but Suga Doncic, he's solid. He's been solid since the EuroLeagues, and he's been solid since heading to the NBA. One of the biggest attractions now since the 2019 draft, since he was drafted, right? He's heading in a year free, right? Year free for you, every year free. I'm just saying. Other than you don't have, you have a good, good, good. You have a somewhat good bench because you have Nikola Melli. He's he's gonna be good. Will Cauley Stein, Trey Burke, Josh Green, Jalen Brunson, the newly signed Frank Natigia. I'm sorry, I pronounced your last name wrong, and I did not mean to do that. Josh Green, Dwight Powell. Sterling Brown, Moses Brown. I'm telling you, do not take this team lightly. They are going to be above 500 team. 
But Luke is going to ensure it. But they're making sure that they're able to do it. Because Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be stepping up more. Reggie Bullock is going to be stepping up more. Same with Luca. Same with Porzingis if he can. Same with Boban. Same with the bench. That team's a solid first. The only thing that changes, in my opinion, from last year's Southwest uh, Division stands and now, is that Houston's above, second to last, and the Pelicans are dead last. But I'm liking everything. The Spurs have a good core. A bunch of no-name guys, but to make some great impacts on the core and score some high numbers. And then you have the Grizzlies who are pulling it together, but then it's like they have a decent, not so good bench, but some core players that will work it hard. Especially Stephen Adams, he'll do the dirty work. John Moran, he'll get you inside. He'll take the defender's eyes and just try to uh, descend into uh, to battle. We'll go in there, dish it on out. Boom! You made a free right. And then you have Dallas. Dallas just Luka Magic. Dallas is going to have more defensive uh, capabilities, more defensive breakdowns, more defensive lockdowns, more defensive just outbursts than just being able to be so much better on the defensive side. Defense is going to be looking much stronger. Offense is still going to be higher than the defense but now you're starting to get that a little bit even down towards excuse me towards like no one's gonna have to score your thousand points on you right of course i was exaggerating but you get where i'm coming from so that's the southwest to me i think dallas can win 50 55 games they can win between 48 to 55 games in an 82-game season, that's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, to me, I think Memphis, they can win at least 40 games. Between 35 to 40 games. Um, San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs, I believe they can score. I mean, they can get in the standings, get in the record books between 30 wins to 35 wins. They just, yeah. But with the playing tournament back, whoever's the 10th seed in the conference gets to go into the playing tournament because they shot for the playoffs. The Spurs last year was in the 10th seed at 33 and 39 as their record. So anything's possible. Pelicans, I think they're going to end up with between 32 wins and 37 wins. So five game difference, right? Five win difference in between. Then for Houston, I believe they're going to be obviously different. Instead of being 17 and 55, I'm actually going to predict, even with the ups and downs and whatnot, even with some potential trades, even with all the roster changes, I think they're going to be at a solid 28 to 38 wins. That's a huge jump in between. But that's just a, such a large gap that can be capitalized. I think 20 to f- 28 to 30 wins are more realistic. But if they get the 38 wins, then you're up there. And you may be able to slide into the 10th or 9th seed of the conference. Of the Western Conference, right? So, that would be huge. 
that would be really, really, really huge. And with all of that being said, that is it. That is our review of the Southwest Division. I saw we covered that nicely. If you guys think that we missed anything, remember, text us, email us, or just write in the comments. Except for uh, Apple, they take those things to heart and they'll post those things very fast. But yeah, after that, we'll have one more Western Conference, which is the Northwest Conference. We'll be back here Monday. You guys just have to wait out Sunday. But you got your Saturday edition. It's supposed to be Friday, but you know what? At least we're able to get a podcast. We're able to rock and roll all night long. And we were able to get things done. Get in, get out. And hey, that's just beautiful when that happens. And aren't I right? Because now look at this. We'll be looking at OKC, Minnesota, Portland, Denver, and Utah. All of Monday's podcast episode. But that was the Southwest. I decided to very good. Talking about it. Now let's just see how they perform. I'm not going to forget what I said. Especially with the standings. I think I'm spot with the Pacific and Southwest. Let's see if that actually comes true. But we only got four more conferences left. Northwest. No, sorry. Northwest. Southeast. Central. And Atlantic divisions to go. One more in the Western Conference. And three more to go in the Eastern Conference. That the end on the seventh day, I believe. Or something like that. We will be seeing who's the best team out of the entire conference. Oh, I'm sorry. Each conference. That's going to be number one, hands down. And I believe it's actually going to shock a lot of us. Including myself. But that is that. We, I, had a, I had fun going uh, over this podcast episode. Talking about everything in the break news section. I was taken back by what the Cavaliers plan to do with all the trades that went out. All the mock trades that went out. We broke it down very simply and very thorough with the Southwest. It's going to be very, very interesting how it all plays itself out. I can't wait to talk about the Northwest. Remember, you guys can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcast. But remember this, people. We're going to be getting on many more podcast streaming platforms like iHeartRadio. I'm going to try to get on the Amazon um on Amazon Podcast or whatever you call that. I'm not too sure. I'm going to keep it rolling. I'm going to keep it going. And until then, I will see you guys next time. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you back here Monday morning, 8 a.m. See you guys for listening to the Saturday morning once-in-a-lifetime event um, at 8 a.m. And we'll be kicking it back up from Mondays to Fridays at 8 a.m. See you guys again for watching. And without further ado, let's get into the preparation of Monday's podcast. What we got there. And you know what? I just can't wait for basketball to come back. I am waiting for a world month away. And I am stoked. Until then, go Suns and Devin Booker, number one in the league.